Okay, so last week we started this new series called Fruit by the Foot. And, uh, and what we mentioned is that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, the promise that Jesus gave us uh, was that the Holy Spirit would take residence within our hearts, within our soul, within our lives. And the Holy Spirit, once He begins to take residence in you, He's doing a work in your heart. He, he provides the way for you to be forgiven and redeemed. And we have the promise of eternity. And the Holy Spirit is doing this amazing work inside of us that you can't see. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's also a work that is done outside. In other words, there's fruit that is produced that can be seen. So I can't see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. But I can see what He's doing outside of you. That is a little bit more visible and it's a little bit more prevalent. So Jesus does a work on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's evidenced by how we live on the outside. Now last week I spoke about tug of war. Right? I spoke about, uh, you know, we have, if we have this proverbial rope, on the opposite sides of this rope we have the fruits of the Spirit that we're going to get to next week. We're going to talk about that. But on the other side of that rope is the pull of the flesh. It's everything that is contrary to the Holy Spirit. And they're on opposite sides and they're at war. Remember last week I mentioned that if you don't know you're in a battle, you're sure to lose. We are in a war versus the desires of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the flesh, the works of the flesh. And let me tell you right now, as I speak right now, as we just finished singing right now, as we are about to open the Bible, your flesh is warring against you right now, right now, as I speak. And we're going to see how the flesh is evidenced in, uh, in different ways. And we're going to see, and Paul is very clear. So let's read these verses uh, out loud together. Melissa, you have CSB there? Put in CSB so we can be all on the same page. We can read the same words. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Can you read that nice and loud? And read it, read it slow, because it's a list. So we got to kind of see each thing that he's saying there. So go ahead. 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. Promiscuity, yeah. Idolatry, sorcery, hatreds. Pride, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. God, thank you for this word that you're sharing with us today. I just pray that you may show us the ways that it is relevant in our lives. And I pray that the Spirit may be stronger in us to war against the works of the flesh in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to be looking at the works of the flesh before we get into the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is what we all want to produce in our lives. And uh, to be honest, it's easy to talk about that. You know, we, you know, we should be joyful and kind, right, and patient. And I can talk about that, and we will uh, next week. But when we talk about the works of the flesh, this is a little bit more difficult 
to talk about because nobody likes to have uh, their flaws pointed out or what you struggle with pointed out. Nobody enjoys that. And that's why it's important that we talk about this. Now, uh, before we even get into the outline, I want you guys to look at verse 19 again. Paul starts out by saying this, Now the works of the flesh are what? What's that word? Are obvious. And it's almost like he's saying, Hey guys, you know what's wrong. I don't have to describe it to you, but for sake of clarity, I will. And I'm going to list them out for you. And then it's funny because at, at, in the middle of verse 21, at the end of his list, he says, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. <laughs> in other words, and if I left anything out, that too. It's in there, okay? For those of you that think you can get away with something that I didn't list here, that too. But he says it's obvious, it's obvious, but we need to talk about it. And we got to talk about where does the work of the flesh come from? Where does it come from? And this is the first big idea, kind of what we're talking about today. And that is that the work of the flesh stems from sin and brokenness. The work of the flesh stems from sin and brokenness. This goes way back in the book of Genesis, guys. The first book of the Bible. It talks about when God created the earth. When He created the heavens. When He created the earth. And when He created the animals and the sky and, and water and, and everything. And the crown of His creation was mankind. And creates Adam and Eve. And from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve live in perfect harmony with God and creation, and God gives them a choice. He says, you can eat anything that you want. Enjoy. Subdue the earth. There's one thing that you can't touch. From this tree. Don't eat from this one tree. Eat everything else. Don't touch this. And what did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed God. And sin entered the earth. And ever since then, we now inherit this sinful nature. David said in the Old Testament, the great psalmist, in one of his psalms, he said, I am sinful from my mother's womb. From the moment I am conceived, I am conceived sinful. In the New Testament, we read these words, that we all fall short of the glory of God. And that means that we are sinful by nature and also by choice and that sin that we all experience that sin that we struggle with breaks our relationship it breaks our relationship with god it breaks our relationship with how we view ourselves it breaks our relationship with one another and it breaks our relationship with creation and as we read these passages today these few verses i want you guys to see how the works of the flesh are broken into these several categories. These broken relationships between you and God, you and yourself, and you and others. And each one of these sins, each one of these works of the flesh can be broken into these categories, and they represent the different areas of these brokenness. So that's how we're going to study it today. I was telling Melissa, I wish I had a whiteboard. If I had a whiteboard, I can draw it out for you so that you can see, but try to paint the picture in your head as we go through this, okay? Uh, so keep, keep the verses open so that you can see. Here's the first section. Sin breaks our relationship with God. Sin breaks our relationship with God. Uh, if you look, as you look at that list, guys, what do you think, um, what are the words that fall into that category? Uh, I won't turn this into a, a trivia, 
or a quiz or anything. I'll tell you the ones I, I pointed out. I said uh, idolatry and sorcery. You guys see that in the verses? Idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is anything that we put before God. And sorcery is essentially our attempt to reach God by our own means. Now listen, guys. How often do we put other things before God? How often do we put and pursue other people and pursue other things or other experiences before our pursuit of God? Idolatry doesn't just come from the worship of statues and the worship of emblems or pictures. It's not just that it includes that, but an idol is anyone or anything that we place before God. An idol can be our job. An idol can be success. An idol can be money. It can be relationships or, or hobbies or kids or family. Anything that we put before God automatically becomes an idol. And that's a work of the flesh. Before, um, before, before sin, Adam and Eve, they had perfect communion with God. The relationship with God that we desire, Adam and Eve had it. The conversations they had with God. The closeness to God, the relationship, they had it before sin. But then sin entered and broke that relationship with God. And man has been trying to attempt to fix that relationship, to mend that relationship ever since then. And so sorcery, you can say, is, is our attempt to reach God by our own efforts. Right? If you think of sorcery or witchcraft, you think of potions, you think of, uh, of, uh, of conjuring up spells or things is our attempt to reach the supernatural is, right so in right so in our lives you can say okay you, maybe you're like okay danny i'm not, you know i don't practice sorcery but in essence we do whenever we try to attempt to reach god by our own means so for example by our good works if i'm a good person if i am righteous if I'm a righteous person, if I only prayed enough, if I only memorized enough scripture, then that's my attempt. Or how about this? If I only had that prayer cloth from that preacher on TV, that anointed with oil from Jerusalem, then, then I can be close to God. Then I can be healed. Then I can experience the miraculous. Or if only had that one, that person, that God really uses that person, if I had him come and pray for me, then I, my relationship with God can be restored. Then I can be healed. If I only had a certain experience with God, if I had that mountaintop experience, if I had that closeness with God, if I heard audibly from God, do you see how that can all fall into line? It's our attempt to try to reach God or hear from Him. The works of the flesh are idolatry and sorcery because we've experienced a broken relationship with God. And we need to be on guard because this is a real temptation for us. Sin breaks our relationship with each other. Sin breaks our relationship with each other. And we also see this. Uh, well, here, here, are the verse, here are the words. Look at the list again, guys. This is what I included. Maybe you want to put another word or two in there. You tell me. Uh, sin breaks our relationship with each other. I put sexual immorality, uh, promiscuity, hatred, strife, which is conflict, right? Strife is conflict and competition, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, dissension. Dissension means arguments. Factions, what does that word mean? That means cliques and infighting, you know, keeping amongst ourselves. Carousing, what does that mean? 
Another translation of the Bible uses the word orgies or wild parties. That's what that means. So, sin breaks our relationship with each other. We see this in Genesis once again. When Adam and Eve sin, the first thing they do is they make coverings for themselves and they hide from God. And when God comes and he approaches Adam, he says, Adam, what's going on? What, what's, what's going on? Why are you hiding? Why are you feeling shame? What was Adam's response? Anybody remember? It's Eve's fault. Eve did it. It was her fault. He blames his spouse. And then God approaches Eve. What's going on, Eve? Why are you hiding? Who does she blame? She blames the serpent. They play the blame game right off the bat. Nobody takes responsibility. They turn it on each other. And then after that, they have two kids, Adam and Eve. They have Cain and Abel. What happens to them? Cain becomes jealous of Abel. How jealous? He murders him in cold blood. His own brother. What causes that? Sin. Sin. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. We, in, we all inherited that sinful nature. And that's that brokenness. That's what sin causes. It causes that brokenness between us and God and the brokenness between each other. And we see this. We live in a sexually charged culture. And the works of the flesh says, it's my body. I can do what I want. I can live however I want to fulfill all my desires. And we don't view sex as God's gift to mankind to be honored within the covenant of marriage. Instead, we see others as objects of our pleasure to satisfy our needs and to get what we want no matter the cost to the other person. It doesn't matter if they experience a loss of dignity. It doesn't matter if they lose respect or if they feel that emptiness or if I feel my, that emptiness, it doesn't matter. When it comes to hatred and strife and arguments and jealousy, we don't view our brother or sister as our brother or sister and that we can celebrate and be happy for them when they experience success. What do we think to ourselves? No, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve, they, they shouldn't get that. Why are they receiving that? Why can't I get that? And we wish harm even among our brother or sister. Or we bicker and we argue instead of coming to a reasonable conversation to hash out our differences. You see this in traffic every day, right? You get cut off in traffic or, or you accidentally cut somebody off or you didn't see anybody or somebody, whatever. And all of a sudden, now you have an argument. Now you have road rage. Now they're sticking the finger at you. Now they're cussing you out. Now you're punching them in the face, right? It's, it's, like we see this every day. This is the works of the flesh. And we see this every single day. These are the works of the flesh and they affect how we relate to one another from everything from argument and hostility to, hostility to our sexuality, not viewing it as a gift from God, but seeing it as a means to an end. That all stems from sin and brokenness. Sin breaks our relationship to self. So sin breaks our relationship to God, to how we relate to one another, and sin breaks our relationship to self. What words would you put under this from the Bible verse? I'll give you guys my list and some overlap. If you have, uh, maybe you haven't seen this just yet, but some of the words overlap for both. I put sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, jealousy, outburst of anger. As you can harm somebody with your outburst of anger. You can also harm yourself, right? <laughs> Selfish ambitions, achieving whatever you want, no matter the cost to anybody else. Selfish ambitions and drunkenness drunkenness. 
This sin breaks our relationship to self. How does self, how does a sexual immorality and moral impurity and promiscuity, how does that, how does that affect you? It hurts you just as much as it hurts the other person. Because once again, it's an abuse of God's gift. It's attempting to fill a God-sized void and love with an ecstasy that is temporary and it is fleeting. Jealousy hurts you because when instead of celebrating what somebody else has, you long for it and you desire, and what are the chances that you get what they have? Slim to none. And so now you're living with an expectation that you are unable to meet and you're beating yourself up. And so it hurts yourself. Drunkenness, you drink yourself to a stupor to levitate beyond your problems. Again, it's a, temporary, it's a temporary fix to an eternal problem that we have. I didn't include the word sorcery. I mentioned it in the beginning, right? We're breaking against God. But listen to this. As I was studying the scriptures this week, I learned that the word sorcery, again, I know you guys don't come to study Greek, and it's not that interesting to you, but let me, let me break it down for you. The word sorcery, comes from the Greek word pharmakeia. And guess what word we get from that in English? Pharmacy. Pharmaceutical. In other words, sorcery also speaks to our, our attempt to self-medicate, uh, hallucinogens, intoxication through drugs. Right? If I get this high, then I can, ex I can feel like God. I can float above my problems for a second. And once again, it's a temporary fix to an eternal problem. Works of the flesh lead to self-destruction. Self-destruction. All right. Are you guys feeling bad? <laughs> Are you good for some good news? Here's the good news. Number four is this. But Jesus redeems, repairs, and he restores. He redeems, he repairs, and he restores. You see... Jesus redeems us. We have a broken relationship between us and God. And Jesus came to fix that problem between you and God. Jesus comes, redeems, or redemption means to pay for. And He paid your penalty so that we can be united to God the Father. And now we, were, we had this broken relationship with God. We were far from God. We were alienated from God. And Jesus came in so that we can be united to God. So that we can have access to God. So you can speak to your Heavenly Father. And He hears you. And now we have the promise of eternal security. That long after this life is gone, after we've lived our lives and we're no longer alive and away from this body, Paul said that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus made a way for us to be present with the Lord. And now we have the Holy Spirit because Jesus died and because He died for you and now He promised the Holy Spirit to reside in you. So now you have God in you to help you war against the flesh, to help you war against all the things that we listed. He redeems. He redeems. Jesus repairs our relationships. Because of sin, we have strife, we have jealousy, we have hatred, we have all that stuff that we experience. But Jesus, he, re, he repairs relationships. You see, because Jesus loves me, I can love someone else. I can love others because Jesus loved me. Jesus forgives me of my sin. Because I have sinned and I fall short and I've let God down and I've let others down. But Jesus has forgiven me. 
And because He's forgiven me, I can forgive others. He's, Jesus came to serve me. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to serve, um, not, not to come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. And so now because Jesus serves me, I can serve others. Je because Jesus gives value, I can view my brother and my sister in the image of God, made in the image of God, with dignity and respect, not just for my enjoyment and for my pleasure or for me to take advantage of. My brother and my sister is made in the image of God. They're not the object of my pleasure or to be taken advantage of. So I can love them and restore to them dignity. Jesus restores ourself. When you look at the mirror, what do you see when you look at yourself? What I want you to see is that Jesus restores and gives you value. He gives me value. He gives me self-worth because my identity is not wrapped up in my performance. My identity is not wrapped up in my failures or, or the times that I've let God down. My failure, my, my identity is in who I am in Jesus Christ. My identity is who He says about me, not what I say about myself. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I give my body as a service unto God, not just to please myself and my own needs. And I don't have to be jealous because I can be content with the blessings that God has given me. And I don't have to be given into drunkenness because Jesus fills my cup. Jesus fulfills the emptiness within me in my attempt to try to satisfy any emptiness at the end of any bottle. Jesus, Jesus redeems, Jesus repairs, and Jesus restores. And to experience this redemption and reparation and restoration, all we need to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus cures the sin issue so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have our eternity secure, and so that the Holy Spirit can live within us, and so that we can begin to produce fruit. Listen, guys, there's a real tug of war. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? We are at war, the desires of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. But the Spirit of God lives inside of us. He's working inside of us so He can begin to produce fruit. Let's spend some time in prayer. And Hunter, you'll lead us in one more song. God, I know that the works of the flesh are evident, God. In the world and also in us. Sin has broken our relationship between you, God, between others, and between ourselves. But I thank you, Jesus, that you have come to redeem, you have come to restore, you have come to repair. And so I pray, God, that the pull of the Spirit may be stronger than the works of the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.